Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Hello, I'm Florence Reed, and welcome to Unheard, the channel that challenges herd mentality wherever we see it. So, critical race theory. Everyone's talking about it, but nobody seems to quite know what it is. In Virginia, at least, a growing movement of parents are rebelling against the teaching of this controversial ideology in their local schools. Azra Namani is a former Georgetown professor and Wall Street Journal reporter, and a parent of a child in one of these local schools. Her supporters, who call themselves the Mama Bears, have helped to repel Republican candidate Glenn Youngkin to his recent victory in the Virginia governor's elections. She joins me now. Azra, welcome to Unheard. You are a liberal Muslim, an immigrant woman, a single mother, and a self-proclaimed progressive. And yet you've had quite a strong hand in getting Youngkin elected in Virginia. How did this happen? Wow. So Flo, um, you're absolutely right. I am a liberal feminist. I helped co-found the Muslim reform movement because I opposed the sexism and intolerance and extremism within the orthodoxy. And so I have had a strong position going into mosques. Um, so this is something that, you know, your viewers and listeners on in the UK can appreciate. You've had a big challenge that way. So after the 9-11 attacks, I was uh, I was fighting Islamism, this phenomenon of political Islam in the world. Um, so for 20 years, chasing terrorists. And then um, over the last year, little did I know that I would become this accidental activist on the issues of education. But what happened is that in June 2020, after the tragedy of George Floyd's killing, the school principal at my son's high school sent an email to the moms and dads and kids at our school. And she said that we needed to check our privileges. And I thought, I would, I, do you even know us? I am the daughter of Zafar and Sajda Nomani, who survived colonialism in India. My grandfather represented the freedom fighters, as we know them today, who got independence from lovely UK. And um, the British rule. And, you know, it was just such a tragedy to me because I knew too that we had parents from China and uh, the former Soviet Republic who just had fled, you know, tyranny. And so that was when she awakened this mama bear. <laughs> so that phrase, check your privilege, was what started this journey for you. And this all in the wake of the death of George Floyd. So when Black Lives Matter started and the movement started to spread across America, how did you initially feel, if we just go back to that time, 
What were your initial thoughts in that moment about racial justice in schools? Oh my gosh, Flo, it's such a great question you're asking because you know, you're just taking me back to that traumatic video that was just so uh, jarring and so, uh, you know, so moving for so many people to see. And what is it that resonated for us was George Floyd, remember, crying out to his mother. He said, Mama. And I, I just remembering that now because I was so struck by that, right? As a mom, a boy, a, an adult man now crying out in his last moments for his mother. And that is what, you know, mother's love represents, right? This, this, this unconditional love beyond all of the the details of our lives, it's transcendent. And so, you know, for me as a Muslim woman, as a person of color, you know, I connected to the issues of racial justice and you know gender justice and all of the ideas of quote social justice as we know it. But then, what I discovered with that email is that. I, as a mom of a boy who had made it into the number one high school in America, this school called Thomas Jefferson High School for Science and Technology, I was now on the wrong side of Brown. I was now part of this new community of people who are called white adjacent. And beyond anything else, I'm a humanist. And I know that you cannot replace the old hierarchy of human value that we've had, that, you know, your home country has had to struggle with also through the legacy of colonialism and all of this. Like we have had to correct those, that old hierarchy of human value that placed like my ancestors below the British colonizers that came to India we cannot replace the old hierarchy of human value with a new hierarchy of human value. It is not okay to seek out social justice by denigrating anyone, whites, Asians, uh, you know, Hispanics now are being divided into light-skinned Hispanics and dark-skinned Hispanics. We have to see the humanity in each other. And, and that's really, Flo, what awakened within me. And um, And just like you said, you know, uh, between June 2020 till today, uh, we created this movement of mama bears and papa bears, and we vote. And so we elected Glenn Youngkin as governor of Virginia, and this sent shockwaves across America. When we talk about parents mobilizing against critical race theory, which is really this central ideology that's being taught in schools that you have such a huge issue with, what do we actually mean? What is critical race theory? And how does it affect the education of young people like your son, who was a senior in high school at the time of George Floyd's death? We now have this notion that we have to look at, that it is critical to look at America and the world through the lens of race. We now have that translated into books like this one. This becomes this in our school systems. And, um, and I'm just going to give your um, wonderful viewers a glimpse. 
Not My Idea. This is a book that is distributed now in elementary schools. It is read to children, little children, who are just learning their ABCs. It's presented in this lovely, beautiful way with illustrations that you know captivate the, the reader. And then it has this idea. It's a story of a child who is confronting this issue of racial justice, hearing about the headlines of uh, black men that are killed by police. And then this idea is presented to the young child. Whiteness is a bad deal, simply put. And then this illustration that you have a contract binding you to whiteness. You get stolen land, stolen riches, special favors. Whiteness gets to mess endlessly with the lives of your friends, neighbors, loved ones, and all fellow humans of color. Imagine now we are pitting a child as an enemy of their neighbor and even friend. To me, this sounds quite religious. So it's sounding a little bit like original sin. How, did, how does your understanding of religion play into this idea of critical race theory? That is such a great question. And exactly, you see the metaphor of, this, of Satan. And so this is a contract with the devil. And that's such a great idea. I, I was um, raised Muslim. And so the concept of original sin is not one in which we're born, but it is one that I know, you know defines so much of uh, Christian thought. And this idea is very much um, one of original sin, that you are born with the sin of the, of the race into which you are born. But the problem is with this religion of wokeism, there is no forgiveness. There is no redemption. You must bend your knee to the idea that you are forever then the oppressor. And that is a heavy, heavy burden to put on any child. And so, you know, the mama bear in me, it just says that this is child abuse. You know, this is just so damaging to the healthy growth of a child. And, and you know, my son has now graduated, Flo. I could check out of this battle, but I love children. I believe in children. We all have this inner child within us, right? And, and every child needs to be protected. They have not been born with sins that for which they um, must be cursed for the rest of their life. How do we grapple with the reality of America today and all its inequalities without a theory like critical race theory? Critical race theory is racist. It's bigoted and it's prejudicial. And every society has systemic problems that they have had they've inherited. White America is not does not have a monopoly on that injustice. British history does not have a monopoly on it. We have injustice in my native country of India. We have Indians who discriminate against Indians. We have people of color who discriminate against other people of color. Ultimately, we have to look at injustice through the lens of of uh, you know everybody being engaged in this and that everybody responsible for solutions. This is not something to just target one race over another. And, and it translates 
just like in this book, into an assault on one race. And I, as a person of color, cannot accept an assault on anyone, and nobody should. When you protested the school board initially in 2020, you were dubbed a domestic terrorist, along with the other parents who were resisting critical race theory in Virginia schools. Why was that? And what does that actually mean? So I went before my school board in June 2020. And we, as immigrants and and, um, parents of color, went before the school board that was now talking about anti-racism in our schools. They spent $20,000 for one hour with one of the architects of this anti-racism, a man by the name of Ibram X. Kendi. And for months and months before we were smeared as domestic terrorists, we were simply ignored. But we kept going. And the reason why the National School Board Association sent this letter as SOS to President Biden was because we weren't shutting up. So now they needed to silence us. And what they wanted to do and what they asked to do was to use things like the Patriot Act to start doing surveillance on parents. And why did we get targeted? Because we were making a difference. And the one lesson that they just didn't seem to understand is that you're not going to quiet a mama bear. If you come after our cubs, like we will defend them and we will sacrifice our own lives. And so this was why they did it. But I just want to add one other element that's really important. There is a big business that is being um, uh, supported by school board decisions and school district uh, officials. It's a big business um, that is being uh, that, that emerged over the last decade by big tech. And um, and I only knew about this because our school district signed an agreement in September of this year with one of those companies. And that company is called Panorama Education. So what they did is that they used the social justice issues as a Trojan horse then to bring in something that they call screeners. And in these screeners, they ask kids questions like, do you feel loved? Do you feel suicidal? Are you non-binary, LGBTQ, transgender, gender fluid? And then they ask other questions like, do you feel like your race is represented in the school? Uh, So what has happened is that this company, for example, has gotten contracts with school districts all across America and One of the investors is Mark Zuckerberg. What they do is then use these, the data to create algorithms on our kids and literally put them into a program that they called an early warning system. And in this early warning system, they then grade the kid as red, green, or yellow. And red means that the kid's gonna be, is having problems and needs intervention. This is multi-million dollar industry. And the person who wrote the letter that turned the FBI on parents was Attorney General Merrick Garland. We discovered that his son-in-law is one of the co-founders of this company, Panorama Education. And I just want to make sure that we talk about that element because what has happened is that we have money and politics now intervening 
to have surveillance on our kids and it intervened in our kids' lives. And that's when it became really serious. How did the pandemic play into this narrative of the increase in critical race theory being taught in schools and also in your fears around the school system? One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Here's a cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact you can get short term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. in Virginia, how did the pandemic affect this? With the pandemic, on one serious issue was that school boards weren't dealing effectively with the crisis that we had of kids at home and they were not managing well the idea of returning to school. So that was one big issue. Then secondly, what they did is instead of focusing on this really important issue of how to get our kids back to school, they became social justice warriors. And so, like I mentioned, our school district, Fairfax County Public Schools, spent $20,000 to bring in this anti-racist uh, you know, profit when in fact we needed them to get our kids back to school. And what they started doing is they started spending money on these programs, these trainings. They hired these quote diversity officers and brought in diversity consultants. I ended up um, helping create an organization called Parents Defending Education earlier this year. And one of my first tasks was to follow the money. And what happened, we we started to see is these big companies that are essentially government contractors ended up getting millions of dollars of contracts. We ended up being able to get accounting on $20 million of contracts of programs that include, you know, this, the ideas of critical race theory, like the, and, and all their buzzwords, they're using all sorts of, um, you know, cover stories like anti-racism, culturally responsive teaching, um, cultural pedagogy, you know, all these fancy words, but it ends up becoming racism. But that's what it ends up boiling down to, racism and bigotry. And they started having affinity groups um, where they were literally segregating children by race. 
And so we have a lawsuit now in Wellesley, Massachusetts, where they separated kids by race. And this we are arguing is unconstitutional and discriminatory. When we talk about being white adjacent, this phrase that you used earlier that was used to describe the Asian parents at your son's school, do you think that there might be something political there? That there is an idea that being white adjacent means being right adjacent? It is, in fact, what has happened. You know, I'm not a Republican organizer. I remain uh, firmly, you know, in my, in my identity as a Democrat because I'm a person who is pro-choice. I believe in same-sex marriage. You know, a lot of social policy issues that are consistent with my beliefs as a Muslim feminist are ones that are aligned with liberal politics, right? But I am a classic liberal and I refuse this politics of wokeism. People want to blame the right, but really there's this extreme left that is occurring. And it, as you know, it's happening in the UK, it's happening through Europe. And, and I just want to just make one point that's really important that kind of connects my intersectionality. The Islamists that are on the streets in, in the mosques in the UK and in the United States and in France, they are using critical race theory to racialize Muslims. And a lot of people will know how a lot of the Muslim extremists have used this smear of Islamophobia, Islamophobia to shut people down when we talk about the very real issues of Islamic extremism. They are using this in, in order to have a cover for themselves. And this is something that we have to like widen as we look at the, the real challenges and why we have to stand up as you all are and your community does and, and leave the herd. Uh, because the herd mentality is going to be the death knell of the values that we believe so strongly in related to free expression and, and um, critical thinking. And so I just hope that folks can connect the dots too on, on the, how this spills over into other really serious issues like terrorism. So your candidate, Glenn Youngkin, promised that on his first day as active governor, he would ban critical race theory from all schools in Virginia. Now that's a pretty extreme claim to make. He is deciding to censor effectively a method of teaching from an entire state's worth of students. Do you think he'll be able to do it? And if he does, how? What we know is that there are some teaching methodologies that are just dangerous. Like we decided that the dunce cap is not okay anymore, right, in schools. We decided that beating kids in the school system is not okay. Like we're not gonna call that censorship. I mean, it's child abuse to do those kind of acts. Well. What we have to decide as a nation and as nations, because this is spreading through the world now in uh, approaches to how to school children, is that shaming and uh, blaming kids based on these you know, immutable traits into which they were born is unacceptable. I mean, this is a, this is a notion that I thought we had decided and agreed upon some years ago, but unfortunately now, these critical race theory folks have decided that this new racism is part of anti-racism. And, and we have to just get beyond their, their gymnastics and really be clear about our values. We do not agree in segregation. We do not agree with um, 
shaming and and remove any kind of teaching methodologies that include that. Um, so like I have in front of me here this um, syllabus and this syllabus has in it uh, the teaching in which they're going to have how to be an anti-racist educator. It's down the road for me at the school called Marshall High School. And in it, they include that we are going to look at the issue of whiteness and the problems with whiteness. And so you can see here the thread that from the from the little kids to the adults, there's they're putting people through re-education camps into this very flawed and racist approach to education. And, and that's where I think, you know, we, we can make a difference and we can get that out of our school systems because it's racist, it's discriminatory, it's prejudicial and bigoted, and ultimately it's child abuse for our kids and damaging to adults also. Okay, okay Azra, so you're using words like child abuse, re-education camps, this is pretty extreme stuff. Are you not worried about how inflammatory the language has become on the right regarding critical race theory and just how, frankly, extreme the conversation has turned? Well, I'm not somebody on the right. I'm speaking as somebody from the left. I refuse the idea that this is a language of the right and that it's in fact liberals that need to understand clearly the stakes that are happening right now. I cannot even begin to tell you the number of emails that I get from parents where their children turn on them, they get confused, they get so disturbed. Um, a child had a, has a parent in California, mom is Asian and the dad is white. They went through some of this training and they came home and they said that their dad was a bad man. That is not good, that is not healthy. And I don't use the word child abuse or re-education camp lightly because I've interviewed the psychologists and they say very clearly that, you know, it's so important with children to raise them with a strong sense of self. And that is the best recipe for a healthy adulthood. And so when you start messing with a child's identity and starting to call them bad and not a good deal and just awful judgmental ideas, it's, it's abuse. And the re-education camps is a very real word. It is being realized in multi-year contracts that these companies are getting to put parents and teachers and staff through what they call, quote, professional development. It's just a fancy word for the re-education camps. Let me ask you about this national movement now. You've spoken about how the anti-critical race theory movement of parents is spreading beyond Virginia across America. Do you think that this is going to become an issue for Biden at the next election? If critical race theory is something that parents are mobilizing against in their masses? Um, your passion and fight have been critical. You know, these are just words that are coming in from across the world. You don't even know, like, we, it's just phenomenal. Um, great win in Virginia, congrats. I am optimistic again for the country and I'm confident that normal people can take it back from, I won't use those deranged woke imbeciles. People are getting a little annoyed. I'm speaking to Americans who have been thinking of leaving the country, but have told them to hold the line. I think the tide is turning, I hope. So, you know, we talked earlier, 
sure, America has problems, but America is a great country. And I wrote back to this um, this person. I said, we must fight for America. And this will translate into a strong movement that will Im- impact not only President Biden's, if he if he runs for re-election um, 2024, uh, or whoever runs from the Democratic Party, um, and then it will impact the mid-year elections in 2022. Uh, we are really fed up you know, of being dismissed and had the, have the mute button put on us. I think Virginia really sent a message to, to people around the country that parents can speak up and make a difference. But I got to tell you that the response from the Democratic Party and its surrogates has been really disheartening. They did not take lesson from Virginia. You know, I am now called a white supremacist and a racist. The Jamaican-born Lieutenant Governor has been called a traitor to black people. She literally, um, Joy Reid from um, NBC had a had a host on from Georgetown University who said, "I hear somebody speaking with who is black, but I hear white supremacy coming out of her mouth." Like this is such a dehumanization, and all they will do is continue to lose. So we've got things going a bit topsy turvy, which is clear. We've got black people who are white supremacists. We've got a liberal Muslim who's a domestic terrorist. We've got leftists joining with the right to elect a Republican governor. What's happened to America? Why is everything back to front? Well, I think that folks are refusing labels and that's a really good thing. I mean, ultimately we are, human beings. And you're absolutely right. When they called us a domestic terrorist, I just put it on my Twitter handle. When they called me a white supremacist, I put Mama Bear, aka white supremacist. We have to take back the language in order to reclaim our own selves. You know, I was talking earlier about how important it is for children to grow up with a strong sense of self. And as any adult knows too, it's so important for us too as adults and it's frightening because you may be thrown out of your tribe but then you have communities like yours who give folks a new tribe and that's really important you know you just have to find like-minded people who are in sync with your values ultimately right and and, and i think that will make everything right and i i should say that will make everything correct because to me, it's not about left and right. It's about just being correct and being human and being moral in our engagement with each other. And so parents now have been heard in Virginia, at least, and Yunkin is going to be governor. What do you think this says for the future of American politics? Oh, the future of American politics has been redefined now. And it is something very organic and authentic that has emerged and that is this movement of mama bears and papa bears. I'll tell you that last night I was on a Zoom call with eight parents, six of them are immigrants, parents of color, and you know what we were doing? We were creating our shortlist for uh, the folks that we support to be education secretary and school superintendent and we were identifying 
you know, the policies that we would like to have in place. And do you know that there was this mom on there, Yu Yan? She survived the Cultural Revolution. And she was just, it was like an education for her in how a democracy can work. She said, I, I had no idea that we, the people, we, the parents, could have such an impact. And I think that whether you're an immigrant or whether you've survived the Cultural Revolution, you know, a lot of people don't live with that level of en engagement because we trust the government. We trust our schools. Oftentimes we have jobs, we're busy, we're parents. But now people realize that the future of our kids rests in our hands. And so our hands are going to be in, 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 you know, completely engaged in this process. Um, and, and, you know, politicians are going to need the endorsements of the Mama Bear and Papa Bear movement. Well, Azra Normani, thank you so much for coming to Unheard. Thank you so much. And I just want everyone to know that this may be a battle that's happening in America, but you know as well as I do that your baby cubs matter wherever you are. And so please be engaged and, and um, look out for those young ones. Azra, thank you very much. So that was Azra Namani, Mama Bear, defender of children and protester against critical race theory in Virginia schools. Thanks so much to Azra for coming on, to you for watching. I'm Florence Reed and this is Unheard. Hold up, what was that? Boring, no flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.